Well, welcome to Adventure. If you guys don't know me, my name is Jeremy Jones. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking through this idea of getting to extra. And we've just been taking looks at different areas of our life and talking about what would it look like to have extra in this area of our life? We talked about what would it look like to have extra time? What would it look like to have some extra money? And as we wrap up our series today, we're going to talk about what would it look like to have extra spiritually? And this is kind of a difficult topic. Because when I say, what would it look like to have extra financially, it's easy for us to imagine what that's all about. All of us can think of 10 things we'd do if we had a little bit more money. If I said, hey, if I gave you an extra day this week, all of us could figure out ways to fill that day up. I've never met a non-busy person, you know. Like, we understand the concept of having extra time. We We understand the concept of having extra financially. But what does it look like to have extra spiritually. It's a hard thing for us to define. And so what I want you to do right now is just turn to the person next to you, find a neighbor somewhere close by and say, if I had to imagine what a person who had extra spiritually looked like, here's what I would describe. How many people said something along the lines of Mother Teresa? Okay. You said like, when I'm talking about someone who's really got it going on spiritually, I'm thinking like a Mother Teresa, some sort of missionary that's overseas. How many people said something like, uh, like some sort of like Bible college professor or someone who just really knows the word, okay? How many people said something like, I think of a person who, you know, like those people that just kind of disconnect from electricity, they go up on the mountain and they say wise things, and okay, like the hard thing is, and the thing that when we talk about getting to extra spiritually is we tend to envision people nothing like ourselves. We tend to envision people that are like, it's just, they're just so far out there, they're just so much different than me that it doesn't really have any meaning for my life. Like, good for them, but I'm not really sure that has much to do with me. It's kind of like I met this guy one time who was getting a PhD in Italian literature. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting a PhD in Italian literature. Good for him. I'm sure that's going to work out for him somehow, you know. But I'm not under this compulsion to go and get a PhD in Italian literature myself. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure what it does for me. I can survive just fine without it. And a lot of us, when we think about getting to extra spiritually, the thing we kind of think of is, I'm sure that's great for the Mother Teresas or, or the people like that, but I'm not really quite sure it matters all that much to my daily life. And since it's hard for us to define and it's hard for us to figure out what it is we're talking about, most of us just kind of go through life and we're like, okay, I don't really know what it is, so I'm sure if it was really important I'd figure it out, but I guess not. And so what I want to kind of walk us through today is what does it look like to get to extra spiritually? How do you define it? How do you get there? How do you develop it? All those kind of good questions. The good news is we are not the first group of people to ever have to figure out what does it look like to get to extra spiritually. In the Bible, there was a church in a town called Galatia that had the exact same problem. They said, okay, what does it look like to have extra spiritually? And the way that they decided to approach it is not only do you need Jesus, but you need to follow all of these rules too. So it's Jesus and all these other rules. And that's what extra spiritually looks like. And it was really confusing for a lot of them. And so this guy named Paul who helped start the church, he wrote a letter to them called Galatians because it was the church in Galatia. And he said, here's what it looks like to get to extra spiritually. If you want to know what it looks like to thrive spiritually, here's what we're talking about. And so in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes these words telling them, this is what extra looks like. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. That's what extra looks like spiritually. And when you look at it that way, all of a sudden you stop and you pause for a second. You're like, wait a second. I could use some more of that. Like if we're talking about living on the mountain and saying wise things and having no electricity, I'm, I'm fine to skip out on that. But if you're talking about, could I use a little bit more love? Absolutely. Could I use a little bit more joy? Absolutely. I bet if we pulled the room right now and just said, hey, are you closer to being apathetic and burned out or closer to being full of love and joy? Most of us, if we were honest, we'd say, you know what? There's a lot of days I feel much more apathetic, much closer to burnout than I do love or joy or peace or patience. And if that's what getting to extra looks like, well, I'm in on that. I want some more of that in my life. Well, how do you get that? How do you get that love, that joy, that peace, that patience? Once again, Jesus tells us how you get there. In John chapter 15, in one of the last conversations that he's having with his disciples, Jesus tells them, okay, if you want to see this kind of fruit in your life, here's what you need to know. In John chapter 15, this is what it says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is telling them is like, look, we want love, we want joy, we want peace, we want patience, we want these things as a part of our life. The way it develops is that you've got to stay connected to me. When you stay connected to me, when you remain in me, these things are going to grow in your life. Uh, a few years ago, I got a chance to talk to a, a farmer, and for a lot of you guys, you guys are going to be like, duh, this is, this is simple. I didn't grow up with farmers, so this was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But he was telling me that f- tree, like fruit trees do not naturally produce fruit just every single year all the time. He said, you know, a lot of things have to go right for a tree to be mature and healthy enough to produce fruit. So if you've ever been cherry picking or apple picking and you see a tree loaded down with fruit, you have to, he says, a lot of things go into that. He's like, you've got to have enough rainfall. You've got to have enough uh, the soil has to be good, the sunlight and the conditions have to be good for that particular tree, what it needs. And then when those things are good, it produces fruit. When you put the right inputs in, the output is fruit. And the same is true for us. If we want to see these things develop within us, love, joy, peace, patience, it's staying connected to Jesus. That's how you develop. And the funny thing is, is that most of us, though, if we were honest with ourselves, most of our problem is not that we don't believe in Jesus, It's that we don't stay connected to them. And what happens is that we keep getting older physically, but we're really not growing spiritually. We can say, hey, I've known Jesus for 10 years, or I've known Jesus for 20 years, but I actually stopped growing 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 6 years ago. And what it it ends up looking like is a lot like this video. Watch this video and kind of take a look at what this means. All right, we all know what it looks like to grow up physically. And it's funny when you see someone on screen who's actually 35, but they're acting like three. It's funny on a screen. It's tragic in real life, though. We all know the person who's like 30 years old and still is trying to relive the glory days of when they were 17, and they're like, you know, I, I could have made the NFL, but, you know, if coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter. You know, and you're like, bro, you're 30, okay? Those days are past. Or we all know, like, the 40-year-old woman who still plays, like, middle school gossip games, and you're like, Really? That, that's, that's what's consuming your time right now is whether or not he said, she said? And it's like, like grow up a little bit. You know? And so we, we, we get it when we see someone who's like mentally immature or physically immature or something like that. But it's hard a lot of times to understand what does it look like to be spiritually immature? Or what does it look like to grow up spiritually? 
Because when you grow up spiritually, that's when you get the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the stuff that we could all use a little bit more of in our life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a look at what it looks like to grow up spiritually. And as you're looking through these, just kind of in the back of your mind, as we walk through these stages, ask yourself two questions. The two questions are, where are you at spiritually and what do you need to do to grow? And so as we walk through these, kind of keep those two questions in the back of your mind. Also, there's going to be a lot of information here. If you're a note taker and you're like, oh, I didn't get that, I didn't get that, I didn't get that, we're going to put this on our Facebook page this week, so do not worry. But as we talk and as we take a look at what does it look like to grow up spiritually, the very first stage, and this is just like growing up in any normal human life, you're an infant. The very first stage of growing up spiritually is just like being born. You are an infant. And the thing to understand about being an infant is that you need a lot of help. When babies are born, they're not designed to survive on their own. You know, when, like, when you're in the hospital, the baby's born, the parents don't go one way and the infant go the other way and be like, okay, you know, check back in if you need anything. Infants need tons of care. Someone who, when they first come to Jesus, is the exact same way. You need a lot of care. Because what you basically know as an infant is that Jesus loves me, and that's about it. And so... The easy thing to remember about this stage is just stay connected. Get plugged in as quickly as possible. If you are a brand new Christian, the things I would tell you are that you need to connect to a church family ASAP. You need to find some place where there's a bunch of people who are going to love you and take care of you. And just like a little baby needs food all the time, if you're brand new in Jesus, you need to start taking in spiritual food all the time. You need to start as much as possible taking in messages, sermons. You need to start reading the Bible, getting some scripture. You need people pouring into you because a spiritual infant needs others. The next stage as you kind of grow is that once you go from an infant, the next stage of development is kind of like you're a toddler. And when you're a toddler, the kind of thing to to focus on and the thing that kind of describes someone who's a toddler spiritually is that they're just kind of starting to take a few steps. You know, they're, they're kind of figuring their way out Toddlers, though, do not contribute a whole lot. It makes sense. You're three years old physically. You don't ask a three-year-old to go get a job and start contributing to the family. In the same way, spiritually, a lot of people find themselves stuck in the toddler stage where they're like, okay, I know Jesus, but I'm not really contributing. I don't really do anything. The other thing about toddlers is that they throw fits all the time when they don't get their way. You're going down in the, like, the grocery store, and they grab a box of something, and you take it out of their hands, and they freak out, okay? That's what it's like to be physically a toddler. A spiritual toddler kind of does the same thing in that whenever they don't get their way, they throw a fit. I, I, I grew up in churches. My dad was a pastor. I kid you not, I saw people fight over the weirdest things. Stuff like the color of the carpet in the new building. Is it going to be red no, it can't be possibly be red. Well, why don't we go with white? White shows stains. And like you get these people like furious at each other. Can we have coffee in there? No, you can't have coffee. That makes more. And like, and like people like destroy friendships over that. And you're like, wait, what are you doing? You say you guys know Jesus. Oh, yeah, they know Jesus. They just stopped growing a long time ago. Spiritually, they're a toddler. If you find yourself in the toddler phase, a couple things that you need to start doing. You need to start living out your faith, not just consuming it. Not just always taking in. Find ways to start living it out. You need to begin learning to self-feed. 
Now, this doesn't mean that you need to be a master chef and be able to make huge, awesome meals. You know, like a, th- a three-year-old, you're like, you're like, okay, take a bite, take a bite, good, good job. You know, you start reading scripture, you start learning to pray, you start learning to grow. You need to start consuming spiritual food. That's the toddler phase. Infant, toddler, next one, child. A child spiritually is beginning to discover that God is much bigger than they originally thought. Like at first it was, when I die, I want to go to heaven. I'm trusting Jesus for that. But as you continue to grow, you start to realize, wow, God's a lot bigger than I imagined. Like following Jesus is not just having to do with after I die. It's, it's making a difference here on earth too. Like my family's starting to change. My relationships at work are starting to change. Things are becoming different in different areas of my life. Jesus is becoming more than I had originally imagined. The challenges of being a child, and if you've ever been around a kid whose dad or mom is a huge sports fan, you'll understand this, is that whatever they grew up with has got to be the only way. So if like you ever meet an 8-year-old whose dad is like a Raiders fan, and they're like, the Raiders are the best team ever, and you're like, no, no, son, like there's about... 30 teams that are better than them, literally. And they're like, no, that's not what my dad said. And you're like, well, okay, well, you know, whatever. Spiritually, you see people that are the same way. They're like, well, when I grew up or when I came, like, we, the holy service is the 9 a.m. service. That's the one you got to go to. And we're all like, no, 9 a.m. is for people who, like, just have some weird reason to get up early. Like, <laughs> We know the 10.30 service is just as holy as the 9 a.m. service. God doesn't care. Or you'll see people say, like, the way you got to read Scripture is you have to read from this translation of the Bible because that's what I grew up with. And it's like, okay, that's what you grew up with. Maybe God is a little bit bigger than just your opinions. And if you, the step that every child spiritually needs to take is that they need to learn to start loving people more than their opinions. They'll have very strong opinions about things, That resonated with somebody. Uh, But they're not really loving people. And this is huge. This is what separates someone from being a child to starting to become an adult. If you hear nothing else I say today, this is the turning point for a lot of people in their faith. Start serving regularly. Start serving regularly. There's nothing wrong with, like, the occasional things. Like, I love to go and grab toys for people off of trees at Christmas. It makes me feel good. But that's a once a year thing. Or every now and then I'll hear about a cause and I'm like, you know what, I need to throw $20 towards that. That's a, that's a good thing. And there's nothing wrong with doing those things. But a, child, a childish faith does not serve regularly. Becoming an adult means you start serving regularly. You find somewhere to start investing in. You become a part of, you start contributing. Children contribute very, very little. As you get older in the family, you should start being expected to contribute more. And this is a huge turning point. So for a lot of people, the reason they stop growing spiritually is that they become smarter about the Bible. They become smarter about God and Jesus, but they never start living it out. Two key commandments, love God, love others. A lot of people really struggle to make that turn and start loving others. And as long as you stop, as long as you continue to refuse to serve on a regular basis, you're kind of stuck at the child phase. As a child grows and develops, they turn into a young adult, a teenager. Now, when you are a teenager spiritually, it is pretty easy to just think of teenagers in real life. What do teenagers do? They have roller coaster-like faiths. When things are great and they're on the mountain, it's like, you know, God is awesome. We're going to take the world. And then like 12 hours later, it's like, God has abandoned me. I don't know. 
And like, you know, you talk to someone who's like 13 to 18 and they act the same way about life. Spiritually, people in, that are stuck at the teenage phase, or the young adult phase, they're, when things are going great, they're giving God the praise. When things are in the bottom pit, they're like, God, I really, really need you. But on the normal average day, God's not really a part of their life. That's a key characteristic of being stuck at a teenage phase. You seek God in one area, or you seek him in the, uh, the, the depths, but he's not really part of who you are regularly. The other kind of key thing about having your faith stuck at this stage is that you're really, really good at making excuses. And if you've ever talked to a high school student who does not want to do homework, they are great at telling you why they can't do it. Well, see, the teacher didn't really explain it that well, and so if I start doing this, there's a good chance I'll do it wrong, and that would be wasted effort. And then furthermore, I've got practice afterwards, and so I'm not even going to get home till like 6.30 or 7, and then I've really got to go talk to my friend because she's been having an awful day, and she really needs a friend, and if I don't talk to her, she might just spend time crying, so there's no way I'm going to be able to do homework. And you're like, just do your homework. Spiritually, what this looks like is we start telling God every reason we can't obey him. Like, God starts telling us, okay, Jeremy, you really need to turn over your finances to God. You really need to turn this area over. Well, you know, I, this job might not be around six months from now. Things are going really bad at my company. And if, so if I start trusting with that, that, that might actually not be a good idea. Don't I need to save some more for me? And, or my kids are getting ready to hit high school. And we're talking about cars. We're talking about insurance. We're talking about college. How am I going to pay for all of that? And we start giving God really good excuses for not obeying him. That is a teenage step or style of faith. And so the key thing to remember in this phase is that you really need to find someone who can call you on your crap. I call them spiritual running partners, people who can speak truth into your life, someone who knows you well enough to know when you're being honest and when you're just shooting a line of crap at someone. And like, okay, like, Jeremy, that's not true. You're speaking out of fear. You're not speaking out of obedience. Here's what you need to do. A teenager needs people who can speak truth in their life. A teenage faith needs the same thing. Who is speaking hard truths into your life? At this same stage, you really need to start leaning hard into who God created you to be, not who he created someone else. And here's what I mean. We've all seen the American Idol phenomenon where someone gets up there to try out and they're like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. And they start to sing and you're like, you've not been preparing for this. (laughs) And they're like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this to us? And they're like, what? I just knew I was supposed to be a singer, and it's like, no, no, that's not what you were supposed to be. In the teenage style of faith, it's very easy to look at somebody else's life and say, well, that's who I need to be. And so the the key step in here is, no, who did God create you to be? Maybe what you're designed to do and what someone else designed to do is completely different. That's why you need spiritual running partners, and this is where you really need to lean hard into Scripture and prayer. Start hearing more from God than you're hearing from the culture around you. Who did God create you to be? Lean hard into scripture. Lean hard into prayer. After you're a teenager, the next phase is an adult. Now, an adult is someone who can take care of themselves spiritually. You can feed yourselves. One of the things that you'll hear people say a lot is like, I come to church to be fed. And that's 100% true. You do come to church to be fed. At some point, though, one hour on a Sunday should not be the only time that you're fed spiritually. Think about it this way. If you only ate once a week when someone else prepared the food for you, you would die. Okay. I don't want any of you to die spiritually, 
So start learning how to feed yourself. Start learning what it means to take in Scripture. The challenges of being an adult are that it becomes very easy to forget that you were once an infant. And so you, if you stop growing as an adult, what it looks like is that you're, you're pretty smart. You know a few things. You, you show up regularly. You help out. But it's very easy to become prideful because you forgot how far God has brought you. You forgot all the work that he's done in your life. And it's very easy to start to judge others. You'll see a lot of people, spiritual adults, who are like, those people. And then they describe someone who was just like them 20 years ago, but they've forgotten. The other thing, or, or maybe instead of being prideful, you're just forgetful. You forgot, hey, you know what? I really did used to struggle too. That used to be a huge area of my life. The remain in me steps, the, the ways to stay connected to Jesus so that you can keep growing is that make sure that the same way you depended upon God when you were a little infant follower, that you're still depending on God now. You're treating him like a loving father, not like a boss. He's not someone who just gives you, okay, Jeremy, here's the five things you need to accomplish this week. No, I have a relationship where God still loves me, he still cares for me, just like when I was a toddler, just like when I was an infant spiritually. I'm treating God like a loving father. The other thing that you need to do to remain in Jesus at the stage as, uh, as a spiritual adult is to start asking yourself, besides me, who else is benefiting from my relationship with Jesus? An adult starts to take a look around spiritually and say, okay, besides me, who else benefits from the fact that I follow Jesus? And that leads us to our final stage of spiritual growth, becoming a spiritual parent. Parents... And this is just true, like true, like in real life as it is spiritually. Parents are capable of helping others grow. A spiritual parent is someone who can help others take steps spiritually. A parent, the focus is on the needs of others. A parent takes care of their kids. A spiritual parent says, okay, what do I need to do to help my friend grow? What do I need to do to help them take another step? Parents tend to be involved in less things and focus in on a few. Like, you, you, you ever had that... When I was like in my early uh, 20s and stuff like that, you remember when your friends all start getting married and having kids, and all of a sudden they, they stop being able to do things with you? And it's like, hey, let's go out Friday. And you're like, no, because I'm going to actually sleep, because I haven't got to do that in four or five days. They start focusing in on saying, hey, I can't do everything I ever wanted, because I've got to focus in on a few. Spiritually, what that looks like is instead of being like scattered in a hundred different places, they start saying, you know what? God's called me to really focus in on the eight guys that work in the same department I do. And I'm going, to be, I'm, going to, I'm going to say no to a lot of opportunities so I can say yes to spending time with them. Or you'll see sometimes someone, like a, a mom that says, you know what, there's a group of moms and we all meet at the same place. Our kids play together. I'm going to focus in on working with those moms, which means I'm going to have to say no to some other things. But this is where I need to invest spiritually. A parent, the challenge at this stage is that it's very easy to start thinking, I'm alone in this. It's all me. It's all my strength. If I don't do it, they're not going to grow. And the same thing that was true as an infant, as a toddler, as a child, is true as a parent. You rely on God's strength. The same God who grew you up will work through you to reach others. The other challenge in this stage is that if you're not careful, you start trying to mold everyone to be just like you instead of letting God be as unique with other people as he was with you. God created everyone differently. As you're molding people and as you're shaping people and as you're investing in people, let them be as unique as you are. The remain in me steps for this stage, pretty simple. Start training others to do what you do. If you're investing in others, bring someone alongside you. We see this all throughout Scripture. You saw Timothy 
and Paul. Paul mentored Timothy and he said, hey, the things I'm doing, you're going to do. You start saying, okay, I'm going to focus in on a few. I'm going to see what they can do. Jesus himself did this. In John chapter 14, in one of the last conversations he had, in that same part of scripture that we were looking at earlier, this is what Jesus tells his disciples. It's crazy. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And you step back for a second and say, wait a second. Jesus is telling the disciples they're going to do greater things than he did? What is he talking about? Like, Jesus rose from the dead. That's a hard one to top. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Jesus walked on water. What do you mean, Jesus? We're going to do greater things than you did. And what he's talking about here is that Jesus had three and a half years to take the disciples from spiritual infants to spiritual parents. And he says, look, I'm going to be back with the Father. I've only had three and a half years with you guys. You guys are going to have decades to invest in others. You guys are going to have decades to pour into the lives of others. You're going to do greater things because you're going to have longer to do this. This, came, this became extremely real to me um, a couple months ago. So a couple months ago, I was talking to a friend of mine at the very first church where I ever worked, the very first job I ever had in ministry. I was a middle school pastor, and this was like 10 years ago or so. And I was talking to him, and I said, hey, you know, how's things going? And when I, was, when I was there, this middle school ministry went from 50 people to 300 people, 300 middle school students. That was a fun ride to be on. That was like things were going well. I was like, tell me about how it's going and stuff like that. And he's like, well, da 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 I was like, what you, what's going on? I'm like, why won't you give me a straight answer? Like, what, what's going on with middle school ministry? It's like, well, it's about, there's about 80, 90 kids that are really coming. You know that part, that feeling when you're equally parts angry and sad? Like, I felt that real deeply. I was like, wait, wait a second. What do you mean there's only 80 or 90? And I, I kind of felt like, I was bummed out. I was like, what happened? I mean, I know it was 10 years ago and other people have gone and been a part of it and stuff like that, but like, kind of hoped my legacy would be more than that. And then about a month ago, I got this message from this girl on Facebook in her young 20s. Normally when I get messages on Facebook from girls in their 20s, I say, hey, Kim, you need to come take a look at this, because usually it's, it's weird. You know, there's, there's always something weird going on. But this time, I looked at it, and it's like, hey, Jeremy, you might not remember me, but my name is Ashley, and you were the middle school pastor when I was a middle school student. And middle school was really, really tough for me, and God became real for the first time as a middle schooler. And I just want to let you know that uh, I'm in college now, and I'm leading the middle school girls at the church I'm at because I want them to know how much God loves them the same way that you showed me. And I thought, okay, that's the win. Yes, it's nice to have numbers. I love numbers, and I'll never be upset about numbers. But the win is when someone else sees what God is all about, and they start sharing it with others. That's the win for each of us. Most of us can probably, if we think about it, either in our own family or within our circle or within our community or something, we know that dad that refuses to grow up. And it's not just hurting him, it's hurting his whole family. His immaturity isn't just affecting him, it's affecting his wife, it's affecting his kids. And if he would just grow up, his family could really start to thrive. The same is true for a church. When a church doesn't grow up, it's not just the church that suffers, it's the community. Jesus has given only one group of people the responsibility of bringing love, joy, and hope, and it's the church. There is no plan B. There is no backup. If we're not the people that bring love and joy and hope to our community around us, Jesus has entrusted that with no one else. 
And so it's the world around us that suffers when we don't grow spiritually, when we don't remain in him. The opposite is true as well. When we are thriving, when we are a community, when we are a group of people that absolutely, like Jesus is just pouring out of us, love is pouring out of us, peace is pouring out of us, patience, kindness, and goodness, it's the world around us that benefits. A year from now, if we were a church that really just loved our neighbors well, what new stories would we have to share? What people are walking around today that have no hope, that would have hope because of what we did? There's no one else. We can't say, well, someone else will take care of it. It's the only job that Jesus gave the church. Go and tell the world about me, teaching them to obey the things, showing them the things that I've shown you. And so what I want to ask ourselves today are those same two questions that we started off with. Where are you at spiritually? Do not beat yourself up with this answer. If you've known Jesus for 20 years, but you say, honestly, I'm kind of a toddler, don't beat yourself up. That's not the point of this question. The point of this question is to take a moment of honesty and ask yourself so that you can grow, so that you can answer that second question. What's the next right step for you? Do you need to get plugged in to a church family? Do you need to start serving? Do you need to find a spiritual running partner, someone who can speak truth into your life? Do you need to start caring for others, letting go of your opinions, and start really loving others? And so what I want to do is I want to take just 30 seconds of total silence. And actually, I want you to answer these questions because it's very easy in a message to hear what the speaker is saying and be like, oh, that's good, and then just go on mentally and never actually pause and reflect. I want to give us 30 seconds of reflection where we answer those questions. After those 30 seconds, I'm going to pray. Our prayer team's going to come forward. And if you're someone who needs to be prayed for today, if maybe for you, like you say, you know what, I need to take another step and I want to pray about it. We would love to pray for you. So 30 seconds of silence, and then I'm going to pray for us. God, my prayer today is for the person who's felt their entire life like there has been no hope. My prayer is that they would take the very first step today and make you Lord and Savior of their life. My prayer is for the men and women in this room who would say, I know, I've known Jesus for years, but I stopped growing a long time ago. My prayer is that they would, they would be honest about where they are and they would take whatever the next step is that they need. Lord, my prayers for the community around us, because when we get to extra spiritually, they're the ones that benefit. My prayer is that adventure would be a place where people say, you know what? You can't help but notice where adventure is because everywhere around them, lives are changing. Everywhere adventure goes, there's this trail of joy and happiness behind them. There's this trail of peace and kindness and goodness behind them. But my prayer is that we would become that kind of people. Lord, my prayer is that for the person in this, in this room that's struggling to trust you, that there's, some, there's one area of their life that they're holding back. Lord, my prayer is that they would understand that you are a good and loving father and that trusting you with one thing will bring more to their life than anything else. And so, Lord, move within us. 
Move within us and create us to be the kind of people that you've created us to be. And it's in Christ's name I pray. If you need someone to pray with you at any time, our prayer team's going to be up here. We would love to pray with you about taking a next step.